Amen. Good morning, Hills family. How are we doing? Yeah, awesome, awesome. Glad you guys are here. Want to say good morning to our campus ministries right now. Good morning over in Old Town, Pastor Dwayne and the crew, David, all you guys. Good morning, good morning to Tulare Street. Good morning in Novato in Marin County. Good morning, online community. We're glad, we're glad you guys are with us too. It's a, it's, it's a great day. Um, man, I want to encourage you when uh, service is done today, we're going to be baptizing people at the foot of the cross. And go over to Connexpo. Go, go, go check that out. Get connected. This is that time of the year. Um, we all kind of live in the school calendar. Even if you don't have children or your children are grown, we still live in that time. You want to know how I know? Because there's more people in this room right now than there was all of July put together. You're all back at church today. Congratulations. So anyways, um, I'm going to start today with a, a little uh, survey, and I want you to participate at all campuses um, by a show of hands. It's an important survey. It's a vote right now. And what you pick means something. Are you guys competing what I'm saying? So the real question is, LeBron or Jordan? So, if you're LeBron, Team LeBron, raise your hand right now. All right, all right, all right. Okay, I know Chris is a Kobe guy, of course. All right, Team Jordan, show of hands. Okay, all right, that's great. I'm a Lakers fan, and I'm Team Jordan even, okay? But we, we, I, I, just, just for posterity's sake, we, we have Jordan. Do we have a picture of Jordan? Do we have a picture of Jordan? I swear we have a picture of Jordan. There he is. We had one, right? That's a, that's a famous picture. It's iconic. It's at the All-Star Game. Um, his, I believe his rookie year, okay? But equally iconic picture of LeBron. That one's pretty dope too, right? Okay. Um, both of them are freakish physical specimens. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I picked Jordan. LeBron's probably a better athlete or as far as like physically gifted, but Jordan is the man. And here's why. Everyone, depending on your era, you tend to pick your guy. Right. If you if if you're young, typically the, the younger younger cats when I was when I was coming up we're like Jordan's the greatest of all times and the older cats would be like you never saw Kareem you know and then even older cats would be like you never saw Oscar Robinson and on and on right and as as I age and the hair gets grayer and grayer right the kids will be like LeBron's a goat and I'll be like you never saw Michael Jordan okay <laughs> when when I was a freshman in high school. I went to San Marcos High School down in San Diego, and uh, they filmed a television show at my school, and uh, it was starring Elliot Gould, for those of you who know who that is, and Rookie of the Year, Michael Jordan was in it. And so they filmed this TV show at my school, and, we were, and he wasn't Jordan yet. He wasn't that guy yet. He was just the Rookie of the Year. He was really good. He played for the Bulls. And... Um, so we were kind of watching how they were filming it. And they said, hey, this afternoon, uh, Michael Jordan's going to do an assembly for all the kids. And we were like, oh, cool, yeah. So he did an assembly, and he was dunking the ball. And, you know. and then he's like, all right, I want someone to come down and shoot the ball with me. And he's going to throw the ball in the crowd. Whoever caught it could come down. So we're all like, up here, up here, up here. And then the Michael Jordan looked me straight in the eye among a mass of teenagers and he threw the basketball right to me 
And I come walking out with this ball and um, I'm a medium-sized Belgian woman now. I have that kind of build, <laughs> right? Back then I was more of a smaller-sized Belgian woman. I was like 5'6", 120 pounds. He throws me the ball and the whole school's looking and I'm totally confident. I'm like, I got this, you know. I go to cross him up, right? I'm sure I was like so slow. I'm like... <laughs> I hit the J in front of the whole school, thousands of kids watching. I go to hit it, goes right toward the hoop and never even touches the backboard or the hoop. <laughs> Total air ball in front of the whole school. My whole school booed me. Michael Jordan is laughing at me. He's like, hey, white boy. You know, he's just all over me. And I, I go back and all my friends are throwing stuff at me. You, you know, and that to this day, they say, hey, remember when you hit the air ball in front of Michael Jordan in our whole school? See, if there's any athlete known for focus, it was Jordan. He was all in or all out, right? Uh, Kobe was very similar. Le- 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 LeBron, the greats are all that way. And you can take it to any sport. You know, Michael Phelps didn't show up at the pool and be like, I guess I'll swim today. Focus is the thing for Jordan. In his book, Driven from Within, um, he tell- tells a story. Uh, he was with his friend Fred Whitfield, and they showed up at, um, you know, after doing something all day, they went to, back to Fred's house and they were going to go to dinner and it was getting cold. And Jordan was like, Fred, I'm getting cold. Can I borrow a jacket? And Fred, Fred Woodfield is a uh, NBA executive. He goes, yeah, just go in my closet and grab one. So he walks into Fred's closet. And he looks in Fred's closet and he's got a bunch, you know, he's an NBA executive. So he's got all kinds of swag, right? Free stuff. He's got a bunch of Nike gear that he's gotten from Jordan for free. And then right next to it though, in his closet is a bunch of Puma gear. And uh, he got the, all the Puma gear from Ralph Sampson, another professional athlete, athlete at the time. And Jordan is just like so bothered that he has, doesn't have just Nike gear on. He takes all of the Puma gear and he throws it on the floor. He finds a pair of scissors and he cuts it all up right there in Fred's closet. He walks out into the kitchen wearing one of his Nike jackets. He goes, what is this stuff? And he throws it on the ground, shreds everywhere. And he says, if you're gonna roll with me, there's no Puma. It's Nike. Right? And, and, and he, he says this. He goes, don't ever let me see you ever again in anything but Nike. You can't ride the fence with me. Ooh. Now, today's scripture re- reading we're going to read comes out of the book of Joshua. And to give you a little background before we read it. Um, Joshua is given one of those speeches to the Israelites. He's, you know, th- this is a time in Israel's history where they've come into the promised land and they have taken the promised land and they're there now and it is theirs, right? And he pulls them all together at Shechem and he reminds them of everything that God has done in their history. How they went from um, Abraham, just this random nomadic guy coming out, coming out of where modern day Iraq would be. And he, he, he came into the promised land and he went to Egypt. And then how, how the, the, the Jews were, were enslaved in Egypt and they, they broke away from slavery and they, they, they roamed the, the wilderness for 40 years and God led them and God provided for them. And then God brought them to the promised land and you're here now. And then Joshua gives them this speech and I want, I want to read it to you. It comes out of Joshua chapter 24. I would love it if you could stand in honor of God's word as we read from Joshua 24, 14, and 15. It's a short one today. 
So he's talking to all of Israel now. And he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your an- that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites who's in, who's in this land that you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is God's word. You may be seated. So Joshua is having this talk with Israel and, and, and it's in the Bible because there's something about us human beings. We just have a tendency to wander, right? Uh, maybe not you guys in this room right now. You guys, your minds never wander when I'm preaching. You're just all locked in, right? You're just focused. It's like the nine o'clock service. They were so focused on their cars so they didn't have to sign up for anything at Connectspo. They were like, beelining it to the car, like, don't make eye contact. They'll try and get you for something. <laughs> they walked out of the lobby and there's eight women going, join the women's Bible study. They're like, nope, not looking. Focus. <laughs> I'm a very busy person. So there, there's this thing that happens to all of us, self-included, Right? And there's times in life where God has to like kind of draw the line for you, right? And if, if he says, you're either with me, the Lord, or you're with the world, right? There's a line down the middle of the stage. There's just these moments in our life where God goes, who are you with? You're here or here. You can't be here, right? There's no riding the fence. People that ride the fence have a sore rear end. You can tweet that. And, they, and what happens is most people go, well, no, 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 I, I serve God. I'm with the Lord. As for me and my house, I serve the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. I totally serve the Lord. He's my God. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve him. And I'm always going to be on his side. And it's all going to be good. I'm going to stand right here. I'm not going to move. My feet will be on solid ground. I'm on the Lord's side. I am doing it. I am serving the... I'm on the Lord's side and I'm serving, right? This is what we do. We wander. And, and, and God understood that. And he uses Joshua in this speech to the Israelites. He says, choose today what you will do. And we all need to have that choice before us. And we all have to decide. And I remind people every week, you know, when you, indecision is always a decision, right? So. Um, there's four things I want to talk about today. And the first one is, what is an idol? He talks about the, you know, the, the idols you serve, the gods you served beyond the Euphrates. What does that mean? So number one, if you have your Clovis Hills app on your phone and you're taking notes, you can do it that way. What is an idol? Look what it says in verse 14 of this passage. All right, he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. What does that mean? Well, as he's talking to them, everyone listening would have known. You know, uh, we didn't live back then. You may not have a, a, a cursory knowledge of the, of the um, story of the Bible, but 
Here, here's what all the Jews would have known. They had one guy they traced their lineage back to. It was one guy, Father Abraham. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you, right? Okay. They trace it all the way back to Abraham. And Abraham came from beyond the Euphrates, that, the, the, the land, Ur of the Chaldeans is what they called it at the time. It's modern day Iraq. And God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to leave. You're going to go to a land that I show you. You're going to have um, children. You're going to be a mighty nation. Abraham didn't have any children. He was very old. And he, you know, and God said, no, I'm, I'm going to give you children. As a matter of fact, you're going to have so many children that um, as, as much as there is sand in the sea, so will your descendants be, right? And every Jew traces their lineage back to, to, to Abraham, the sand in the sea. I remember, um, I didn't tell the story last service, but it's just a random squirrel I'm going to chase for the moment. I remember as a, um, as a young man, my, my mother passed away and my, my father um, was, you know, he mourned her for a while and then he finally decided like, you know, I'm going to go live life. My mom, your, your mom wouldn't want me to just like mope around the house the whole time. And he started going line dancing. <laughs> Six nights a week. <laughs> He'd go seven, but it was closed on Sunday nights. So he would go line dancing. And I remember one night I was with my friends, the band I was in, and they were like, hey, Jim. That was my dad's name. You going dancing tonight? He goes, oh, heck yeah. And, and he had a bunch of girlfriends. And my, my friend Jason goes, hey, uh, wh which girlfriend you bringing? He goes, boy, bringing women dancing is like bringing sand to the beach. <laughs> Wait, man, he's going to dance with every girl in the, in the country bar. But Abraham, you know, he didn't have, he didn't know, like, just God said, go. And Abraham packed his things. He told his wife, he took his family. He didn't have children, but he had, you know, he had a household. He had, he had servants. He had cousins. He had, and they left. And they went to this land, right? And they had these gods that they worshipped. They, they, they were things that their family had done their whole life. And he's brought him with him. He didn't know there was one God. He just heard from this one and he, he didn't fully understand it. But as time goes, God tells Moses and the Israelites, he says, hey, listen, you shall have no other gods before me, right? But they had these gods that they worshiped. And you guys are probably tuning me out right now because you're like, well, we don't worship gods. We don't have things in our house that we, little idols, little figurines that we worship. I have some precious moments, but I don't worship them. But here's what I want you to understand. See, for them, these little idols were the things, like it was an unsure world. They didn't know weather patterns. They didn't know how things worked. They didn't understand disease and bacteria. And, and they didn't have as much knowledge of the things that happened to us in the world. And these little gods were the things that gave them peace. They were, they were the things that made them feel a sense of control. That if I sacrifice and I'm good, then the rain God will make sure it rains. If I, if I do this and I do this, then, then my, my children will be healthy and my wife will not have stillborn children. If I do this and I do this, then this will happen. And there, it was their way of trying to feel control in a world that was very chaotic. And sometimes we look at them and we go, oh, those silly primitive people. 
But the truth of the matter is, human beings throughout human history, we've all had idols and gods that we worship. They're things that we put before the God who created us that make us maybe feel in control for a moment, feel like we've, we, we can escape something, feel like we're the boss, like we're in charge. And for some people, it's their job. As long as I'm making good money, as long as I'm secure in my career and I'm, 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 I'm good at what I do, I feel good about myself, I've got savings, I've got this, I've got that. Other people, it's their children, right? Oh, as long as my children are, are, are strong and, the, you know, and they're getting good grades and, the, you know, and, and, and they're tracking on their, their, their club volleyball, soccer, uh, football, fishing, and gymnastics team that they're all on and, um, oh, and, and you know, and they're in the academic decathlon and, you know, as long as they get a good scholarship when they get out of high school and no pressure, kids. Um, or, man, life is feeling really out of control. Maybe I'll have that second, that third, that fourth glass of wine. Or maybe I'll go on Amazon and buy a few more things. Or may, maybe, maybe I'll go to the pantry and get some more. And we do all kinds of things self-included, to make us feel in control of this world. And if we're really honest, there's things we put before God. And the Bible says whatever you put before the God who created you is an idol. And he says, throw away the gods of your ancestor, ancestors worshipped and serve the Lord. So, so here, here's, here's the thing about idols in our life. We all have them. Joshua understood it. Moses understood it. God understood it. Was that, that there are times where we're like, no, no, God is my God. I believe in God. I believe in the God, God of the universe. He created everything. He, he's, he's my God. But what we do is he's not first in our life. We put other things first in our life. And here's what happens. When you put other things or other people, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your children, maybe it's, um, you know, they, they can be very good things. But when you put them before God, here's what happens. You think you've got life, but life ends up getting you. Because you were made by God to worship God first and to put Him first. This is how all humans were created. You were created by God to worship God. And when I start making my children more important than God, you don't have them anymore. They've got you. And as a matter of fact, you're probably crushing them under the weight of the expectation you have. Your children will not fulfill you. Your husband, your wife will not fulfill you. Your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, whatever, your dog, your cat, whatever it is. Whatever you've put first, your job will not fulfill you. It may for a moment, they may for a moment, but they can't bear that weight. Only the God who made you can bear that. So that leads me to number two is, is this. Will you have life or will life have you? That's the question. Look what it says in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 5. He said, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil. Think about that. I mean, Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago to a little city, little Roman province called Ephesus. There was... There was in where modern day Greece would be. And he said, the days are evil. See, 
The, the reality is that God under, under, understands this. The days then were evil. The days today are evil. And God has given every one of us, every one of us, so many days on this planet. We all get our day in the sun. Take your first breath, then it's done. It's a quick blink. It's eternity. You're enslaved to the dirt beneath your feet. And I want you to to understand this. From the moment you open your eyes and you take that, that breath in the morning, you were breathing before you opened your eyes too. Some of you were breathing really loud, right? God has given you an opportunity to serve the one who made you or something made by someone else. And it will have you. Life will have you if you don't have the author of life. So, um, look what it says in Proverbs 4, 6 through 7. I love this. It says, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her. She will watch over you, right? The writer of Proverbs was like, wisdom was like the, his precious, like my precious, right? Like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. He says, do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her. She will watch over you. And then he says this, verse seven. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I'm gonna give you just a little bit about wisdom. Get some. And he says, though it costs you all you have, get understanding, right? So God stands, stands at the door of your heart. He stands at your life. He's giving you the decision. You're ridiculously in charge of your decisions in life. And he says, will you choose me? Will you choose wisdom? Will you choose my way? Or will you choose the world's way? Because you will serve someone. Some people are like, I think for myself. The, even if you think for yourself, you are serving someone. Either yourself, usually it's someone else's agenda, or you're manipulating people to your agenda. One of the two, we're human beings, that's what we do. You will serve something. Your mind will focus on something. Something will be preeminent in your life. Something will be first. The reason why is because as a human being, you were created to worship God. But because we sinned, our sin separated us from God, and everything in this world doesn't work quite right anymore. And what happens is that need that that every human has to worship God, we put something else there. We put something else at supreme importance. And we say, oh, my job of supreme importance. I want to let you know, if your job is of supreme importance in your life, one day you will not be good at your job. One day you will grow older. One day you will not care about your job. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. One day... You'll be dead and no one will even know you did that job or care. And you're like, yeah, but I'm sowing into my kids, the next generation. They're the thing. And and I get that. Um, And and that's not a bad thing. but, But I want you to understand something. If you put your kids at the top where God is supposed to be in your life, they can't handle that. You wonder why we have a drug epidemic across the street even. In one of, one of the more wealthy parts of town because those kids are crushed under the weight of your expectations. 
And it leads me to number three. I want you to understand this, guys, is that when you say yes to God, he says, this day, who will you serve? When you say yes to God, it actually means saying no to other things in life sometimes and sacrificing, like laying something down so that you can take up him. One of the reasons we do um, Connexpo, we call it Connexpo because we want you to connect and it's like a little expo, right? It's a funny play on words. My staff think I'm an idiot for making that word up, but I don't care. Connexpo. And one of the reasons we do, and we do it right now, I'm just going to let you know, is because for many of you in the next four weeks, the school district you are in will have its claws in you. You will not have it anymore. It will have you. I'm, I'm just letting, letting you know. Right? I remember um, when I, when I my, my moved, moved into to the Central Valley from San Diego, got up here, enrolled my kids in school. Uh, the school I went to in Oceanside, my kids went to in Oceanside, was like, hey, what's up? You know, the principal drove a Volkswagen van. He's like, hey, man. You know, it was... <laughs> It's just a different place, right? And I got to the Clovis Unified, and then they're like, you must succeed. You must do AR points now. Read, read, read. Why are your children not in five sports? And I was like, oh yeah. I'm a lesser parent. I must get them involved in everything. And I remember my first fall here. I coached three soccer teams. I was driving them to beyond, break the barriers to this thing, to that thing. Um, you know, and then, and then they were like, wow, your children are really good at sports. Why are they not on a club team? They're not going to be able to play in high school. Oh my gosh, I got to get them on a club team too. And they're like, oh, if you don't go to this tournament, you never, you know, your children will probably never go to college and they will be homeless. <laughs> oh my gosh, I got to do that. And here's what I, what happened. Life had me. And I thought that that was the thing. And I worked for a stinking church. When I was, I was talking to our youth pastor, Derek, um, once, and we were talking about our kids, because I have teenagers in, in high school, and, and he's their pastor. And um, he was like, yeah, I've been doing this for, for a while now. He goes, one of the things I noticed is there's only so many hours in a day. And... Um, I found like typically, you know, all of our students that, you know, they, their parents want them to be, have really good grades, be in some kind of extracurricular activity, be good at sports or band or whatever it is, and be involved in church and serve the Lord. And he said, you know what, what I found is really you can only do two. There's not enough hours. You can only do two, and I find it time and time again. And some of you, you're like, I raised my kids. Ha ha. Yeah, preach it, pastor. I want you to understand this, guys. This is not just aimed at, at parents right now. It's aimed at grandparents. Sometimes you put retirement and finding fulfillment and travel and buying things and doing that before the Lord too. And that's going to leave you equally empty. It will. And saying yes to God means no, no to other things. And, and here's what I want you to understand. Um, I would encourage you, those of you that are grandparents, those of you that are parents, those of you that are their aunts and their uncles, um, 
The next generation won't serve the Lord if you don't. And it's our job to set the table of faith for them so that they can come and eat. And you don't get to retire once your kids are grown. Really, it's time to, to lean in. Like, the kingdom of God needs you even more at that point. And if you are apathetic in your faith, the Lord loves you. He'll be like, okay, whatever. Do that. He says, but I want to find the ones who want to worship me. I want to find the ones who want to serve me, who want to know me, who want my agenda over someone else's agenda. You know, as our uh, culture becomes more and more secular, uh, sociologists and missiologists, they've caught on to this. They've understood this for years because they saw it happen in Europe. Is what happens is human beings will worship something. We will find something that feels bigger than ourselves to devote our lives to. Right? And for some people, they've forsaken God and politics became their new religion. Right? Other people, the environment became their new religion. Right? Some people, their children become their new religion. Some people, it's education. Some people, it's their job. You will put some, you will worship something. But until you put God in his proper place at the top of your life, life will have you. And this is why I love this. At the end of this passage that we read, chapter 24, Joshua does something. I call it a stone of remembrance. And look what it says in verse 25 and 26 of chapter 24. He says, on that day, after he's given him this speech, he kind of draws the line. He goes, as for me and my house, I serve the Lord. What are you going to do? It says, on that day, Joshua made a covenant for all the people there at Shechem. He reaffirmed for them the decrees of the laws, right? He, he, he reaffirmed, he re-upped, right? There's something about us as, as human beings is that we have to constantly re-up with God. God doesn't re-up with us. He's steady, he's faithful, he's the same, he always was. But for whatever reason, we like to wander, right? And, and, and he, he reaffirms his covenant. He reminds them of who God is, what God has done, what he has promised, and how we stray. And then, then it says, verse 26, And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. And it was this thing, it was just a physical thing to remind people of the promise they made to God and what God has done for them. The faithfulness that God has done for them. Because the reality is, if you live your life of faith, there are just times where you're not going to feel it. There are seasons where you're not going to feel it. There will be seasons, believe it or not, where you come to church and you're like, meh, too loud, meh, sermon's too long, and you become that person. And that, that is a reality. And we need these things in our lives, these moments in our lives, these symbols in our life that take us back and remind us of when God had moved in our life. Because here's, here's why. Because when we see those, it also reminds you that God is not done with you. If you're retired here today, guys, there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. God is not done with you yet. The next generation still needs you. If you're young, oh, God has just begun with you. And he offers this opportunity, this life with him. 
But you've got to step into that. You've got to take charge of your faith. It's got to become yours at some point. I was 17 and I believed in Jesus and I went to church and, and you know, but I kind of lived life on my own outside of church. On Sunday, I was like, praise the Lord, brother. You know, and the rest of the week, I was just a dude. And I just remember at 17, it was like, oh, this is real. I could do this. My, I could live for Jesus my every day. And I began to do that. And be honest, I, I, I wander back and forth and I'm not perfect either, but something clicked and I had to own my faith. It had to be mine. And they set that up there. And here, here's why I tell you this. See, because there are moments in your life when the God of the universe comes knocking at the door of your heart where maybe you haven't been listening. Maybe you've been caught up with something in life and he comes knocking and he whispers in your ear, come home. See, in John 1, 12, the, the apostle John said it this way. He said, but as many as received him, Jesus, that if you receive him, to those who believe in his name, he's given the right to become children of God. That when you receive Christ, you become his child, right? Our sin has separated us from him. For whatever reason, we can't worship God properly. We can't connect with God the way we should until we've received Jesus, the Bible says. And when you receive him, and what, what that means is because our sin has separated us from God, God sent Jesus his son, to live a, a sinless life in my place because I couldn't. And, and, and then, he, then he was crucified and his death on the cross was a sacrifice for my sin because I couldn't live a sinless life. He did and he was sacrificed and he paid the penalty for what I should have for my sin. See, because the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart. I'm, I, I want you to receive me. And why would you ever turn down such a gift? But I tell you this, the, the Lord will only knock for so long. And, and here, I, I know this from experience. At a certain point, we get so busy, we don't hear him anymore. We don't hear him knocking. We don't hear him calling in our life. We don't hear any of that. And God is a gentleman. He'll wait. He'll let you live your life. Let all the craziness happen in your life. But why would you want to wait until your life is out of control and it has you? When Jesus stands and says, I am the way, the truth. I am the life. But you have to make that decision. So this morning, may, maybe you're in a place where you're like, man, it is time. I've got all kinds of idols in my life. Things that I've made far more important than God. I would just en encourage you, God's not mad at you. He's just sitting back going, okay, you ready? You ready now? How about now? but he's left you ridiculously in charge of whether you will or not. For some of you today, this is your first time really understanding that, like the light bulb's gone on. And I, I, I love you too much to not tell you this. Don't leave today without receiving Jesus. This is the greatest thing you could ever do. And we're gonna pray in a minute and wherever you're at spiritually, some of you, today's your day. You didn't realize it, but August 14th, you woke up and the God of the universe came knocking at the door of your heart. And you're like, oh my gosh. But I believe this, that God's gonna give you the courage to receive him. 
And it's a courageous thing, but it'll change your life. It'll change your life. So we're going to pray right now. And if, if that's you, if that's just in your own words, talk to God and receive him. For some of you, in your own words, talk to God and, and put your idols down, whatever they are. I'm going to give you just a moment quietness by yourself. Maybe you don't know what to say to God this morning, but you sense Him calling you to Him. I would just encourage you to pray something simple. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I realize that my sin has separated me from you. Come into my life and forgive me. And make me the person you created me to be. I want to lay down my way and I want yours, Jesus. I don't fully know how to do that, but I'm trusting you're going to show me. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something just with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If that's the prayer of your heart, would you do me a favor? I want to pray a blessing over your life. If you prayed a prayer like that to God this morning, would you raise your hand right now? Hold it high. Don't be ashamed. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, bro. Yep. Thank you. God bless. Hold them up. Keep them up. Thank you. And you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Wherever you're at, whatever room you're in right now, I just want you to know this, that the God of the universe loves you and he has you in this place. And Father, I pray for every hand that went up and the courage it took, the faith it took to do that. I pray a blessing over their life. I pray you set them apart for great things in this world and in the next, Lord. Father, we are people prone to wander, but you take us back every time. You're full of grace. You're full of compassion. And we thank you for that, Lord. We love you. And this day, our house, we will serve you. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Hey, listen up. This morning, if you prayed that prayer, if you're one of those people, and you raised your hand or you prayed that prayer, on behalf of this church, we want to welcome the family. God, amen? Yes. It's the best decision you ever made. So remember how Joshua set up a stone of remembrance? right? So that whenever the Jews went to Shechem and they saw that stone there under the great oak, they'd be like, oh yeah, remember what God did. Well, we, we have something, we have things like that that are similar here. So whenever someone makes that decision to follow Jesus, we give them a little light bulb and a Bible. And the light bulb represents Jesus, the light of the world living in you. And we ask you to do something courageous because the Bible talks about it that when you believe with your heart and then you declare with your mouth that something happens to your faith is actualized. And, and um, in a moment, we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship. And if you pray that prayer, I'm gonna encourage you to do something courageous is while we're singing, just come up while we're singing and I wanna give you your bulb and your Bible and you can screw it into the welcome home sign. And you're like, what? People will be looking at me. They won't. They'll look at you for like a split second and then they're gonna cheer you on like you won the Super Bowl because they remember their day, right? They remember, your, they remember their day. Most of the people in this room, they made that decision at some point in their life and it was the greatest decision they made. 
And it's that, that remembrance, because here's what I wanna tell you. There'll be days where you don't feel it. And you'll walk in this building and you'll see those light bulbs and go, oh yeah, August 14th. August 14th. That's when God called my name and I had the courage to answer. So I'm gonna be down here. If you wanna do that, I wanna encourage you to do it. Church, you better cheer them on because that, this is their day, amen? Amen. So let's rise to our feet. Let's worship. This is your day. If you want it, I'll be down here. Come on forward. Goodness is running